The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited. Crimes Against Humanity. My name is Opal Singleton. I am your host of this show today. We usually have Susie Carpenter on with us, but not today. She has a previous obligation. Uh, This show comes to you every Thursday morning on Voice America Variety Channel, and we really appreciate our relationship with them. They are the largest in the world, and this show goes out to more than 170 countries throughout the world. When I get my stats each week from my friend uh, Dina over at Voice America, I'm always amazed at the number of people who are listening in foreign countries. And I want you to know just how much we appreciate you. Now, many people listen to this show in an archived mode, which you can do by going to exploitedcrimes.com or Voice America Variety and put in uh, Exploited Crimes, and you can listen to it on archive. And in fact, if you want to, you can actually get an embed code from us and post this on your own website. So it is my passion, it is my desire, excuse me, to literally provide free human trafficking education around the entire world for free. So in 170 countries, you can log on to the archive show and look up any one of the subjects and actually share that with your friends. Excuse me, I seem to have a little frog in my throat this morning. Well, you can call in if you're listening live at 1-866-472- 5788. That is 1 866 472 5788. You can do that anywhere across the United States. And you can also email me if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself and if you want to make some comments. You can do that at Opal, O P A L, at me and kids. That's M I L L I O N, me and kids.org. It is called that because more than a million kids are trafficked here each year throughout the world. Uh, So I want to talk about a very hard subject today. And quite frankly, I've done a lot of research and my brain is kind of like a spider web going out in a multitude of directions, not sure where I want to take this. The title of the show is Heroin, Homelessness, Homeless and Helpless and Sex Trafficking. And I wanted to do this show because most of you know that for the most part, I often talk about technology and our teenagers and how they're seduced. And of course, I even have the book, Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers. And uh, by the way, we sold quite a few of them this week to San Jacinto Academy. 
And hats off to those people uh, for buying them. I appreciate it every time someone purchased a book from me and kids, a book of Seduced. I will sign it personally, and it does go to the work of me and kids. We do that because I'm a lousy fundraiser. (laughs) However, if you want to donate to our work, that's about as hard as I get in asking for donations. But anyway, if you want to support our work financially, you can do that by going to www.meandkids.org. And I appreciate it. Well, this this week I want to talk about drug addiction and homelessness. And I'll tell you why it's just so hard to talk about it is, you know, I'm a normal person, probably as normal as most people get. Okay, maybe I'm one sick puppy because I care about human trafficking and I do a lot of studying of it. But what I really want to say is most of my life, you know, okay, I've had a hard life like many people, but most of my life, I, you know, I have not been around drugs a lot. I chose at a very young age not to participate in drugs. And so I probably have an attitude about drugs. And I bet you that's true of many of our listeners is, you know, I read these articles about how somebody was highly exploited. I'm going to read some of them to you today. Uh, where a a girl gets involved and and gets into this and then she's drugged or she gets addicted to drugs and gets into sex trafficking. There's, uh, it's difficult to track when in the research that I've done, the cause and the effect. In some of these cases, um, they're already addicted and they turn to sex trafficking to, you know, get more drugs and pay for their addiction. In other cases, they are not into drugs, but they fall in love with a boyfriend. They start into sex trafficking, and he gets her drugged um, as a way of controlling and keeping her in there. I don't believe there is research that's been done out there of what portion of this were they drug addicted before they were victims of sex trafficking, and what portions of them became victims because they were drug addicted. I I doubt that there's been that much research on this. But, you know, as a, let's say as a pedestrian, for lack of another term, you know, it's difficult for me to really understand all this. And I say this is, uh, I think that this is an important thing, because if you're listening today, whether it's in the UK or Germany or or somewhere in Asia or South America or right here in the U.S., if you're listening today, you're probably listening because you want to do something about human trafficking. But how do we deal with the drug addiction aspect or even the homeless aspect involved in human trafficking when it's so foreign to who we are in problem solving? And that's that's really, really one of the challenges of this. You know, one of the first things that I thought of when I began to do the re- research is, I know in the cases that I've seen that these kids come in, they want to get out of the life, or adults, especially women that are adults in sex trafficking, and there are many, many women, you think of them, well, they're out there as independent into prostitution, commercial sex providers, uh, that they're there willingly. But no, many of them are there because it started as a child or they got involved in it. But how do you get out when you're drug addicted? So many, so many of the safe houses that are out there, you have to be clean and sober before you go in. 
Well, I get it. I mean, if I were running a safe house, you want the best chance of of um, a person recovering. And if you bring in somebody who's drug addicted, they're liable, you're liable to see a major reversal of all your other patients that are in there, your other clients that are in there. Because, you know, a drug addicted person will immediately, you know, their behavior those first few weeks until they can begin to get a handle on their addiction, it's hard for them to go in and start to deal with the trauma of all that they've been through when they when they start to get off the drugs and see the reality of the life that they've lived a lot of times they get whiplash they get you know they go right back into it because they can't face what is actually has happened to them in their life so you really can't put a person like that in with people who are recovering from sex trafficking if they're still using so One of the things that I have really come to understand is that we really need drug recovery programs, seriously hardcore drug recovery programs that are dual diagnosis. In other words, away from people who are now clean and trying to deal with the trauma of sex trafficking. We need a whole new level. That's that's where I've kind of arrived at in an assessment here uh, as I begin to understand how all this happens. This is one of the challenges is what's happened here in Southern California. We have um, many, many good people. By the way, this is not a criticism of people who went out and created the law SB 1322, but what they did was create a law that says, not only can we not you know, arrest them, We can't even detain them if they're under 18 and they're victims of sex trafficking. Well, that's caused us a major problem because many of these kids are uh, addicted to drugs. And so if we can't even detain them, first of all, we can't check their phone. We can't get a search warrant. We can't get the normal tools. But how do you talk her into leaving her pimp when the pimp is not only controlling her sex, and uh, controlling her abuse, but controlling her access to drugs. And that's a challenge. I would have rather had seen a law, and this is probably going to really set off a firestorm in the activist community, but I would have rather seen a law that says we can bring them in and we can charge them with some some charge of exploited that, uh, that they're into commercial sex at with it with the caveat that within six months, if they go into a 14 or 28 day rehabilitation program, it will be expunged for all eternity off their record. Then at least we would have had 14 or 28 days to get them away from the pimp and help them detox. I mean, truthfully, these guys drug these girls to a point where they can't make rational decisions to leave the pimp. Let, let alone not just the control and the sex, but they need them for access to drugs. And they know when they're going in there that whoever, if they're going into a program, they're not going to get access to drugs. That's an immediate panic for them. Before I go too far, I wanted to announce that today there is a major headline here in San Diego. Over 140 charged in countywide gang crackdown. It's a crackdown of the violent street gangs in San Diego 
140 gang members were arrested, accused with a variety of charges of shooting, robberies, and other crimes. By the way, the other crime was sex trafficking, money laundering, racketeering, gun and drug selling. And it caught my attention because we are talking about drugs today. It was the Diablo Street Gang, 140 of them. That's a wonderful work down there. They were responsible for more than 25 gang-related shootings in there, murders, armed robberies, witness intimidation, and widespread distribution of narcotics, narcotics and it included sex trafficking. So hats off to the folks down there in San Diego for taking this on. Sex trafficking is only one of many cult crimes involved in this. But did you notice that there's a correlation between drug selling and sex trafficking going on? I point that out because many of you, when you read these articles, may not pick up all the correlation going on between the multitude of crimes of of abuse, of, of violence, of murder, of sex trafficking, and drug addiction. And that is being done, and it's all part of one case, and so we need to take a hardcore look at it. We're up against a break, folks. We'll be right back. Stay with us. we got more for you. We'll be right back. Thanks. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now... 
back to exploiting crimes against humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Uh, certainly, you can send me an email at opal at me and kids. And one of the things I failed to mention in the first segment here is we would encourage you to follow us on Facebook. If you don't already, you probably do if you're watching this show or listening to the show. But it's simply go to uh, Facebook, find me and kids, log on, like us, and be sure and share that that uh, Facebook with other people because it's going to take each and every one of us to deal with this. Now, what we're talking about is a very hard subject for me because we're talking about the connection between drug addiction and uh, and homelessness and heroin and meth and sex trafficking. And there is very much a connection. What I found myself, because I've been fighting this for about eight years, is I've never done a program just on drug addiction and homelessness Quite frankly, I don't like looking at it uh, because I feel like I'm helpless to do anything about it. I, I see a drug addicted person and I think, well, that poor person. But you naturally approach it from an idea, at least I do. I, I have this kind of background in me that makes people personally responsible for their decisions. It probably had to do with my mother's upbringing and pounding it into me, but I have a worldview that when I look at people, I go, what are these people thinking and why are they doing this? And I feel helpless to do something about it for them uh, because I, I naturally assume they made the decision to do this. One of the hard parts about sex trafficking in this research is that you start to understand that drug drug taking is often very much like sex trafficking. When the person started down the path, they never had an understanding of the decision they were about to make and where it would actually lead them. Now, I do believe that we're not doing enough. We, we used to do Just Say No. We had the D.A.R.E. program. I go into schools. I think we need to be very careful about this and start to think this out because drugs are back in our society much bigger than I ever understood. I always thought of it as just being on the periphery, peripheral of life, if you will, the edges of life. Let's use words I can pronounce here. Anyway, uh, and so it really wasn't the mainstream. But one of the things when I started this research is I am appalled at how prolific this is and how much in danger our kids are for being exposed to this. Uh, Earlier last month, March 2nd, uh, FBI uh, chief, no, he's the director, excuse me. Anyway, FBI director James Comey provided a speech on this, and he was saying Mexican drug cartels are fueling the heroin epidemic that is sweeping the nation. Now, that caught my attention because it is the Mexican drug cartels that are driving sex trafficking, especially in Southern California. But he was also going on to say how big it is and what a trafficking uh, highway there is up and down Virginia and the East Coast. And as I began to research it, being a Southern Californian, I have a tendency to be narcissistic about California. Um, But, you know, as I began to research it, I began to realize that there is, in fact, whole highways of drug trafficking on the East Coast. 
he is going on to say that he paints a picture of a nationwide nationwide drug crisis that's penetrating communities of all shapes and sizes. And he's saying that the, they have to stri- change their strategy to go after this, not just looking at law enforcement, but also looking at the market economics of this. We cannot arrest our way out of the product. Excuse me, we can't, I'm having a hard time this morning. We cannot arrest our way out of this problem. It says Mexican cartels have cornered the heroin market in the U.S. with an increasingly uh, power there to sell cheaply in order to seize demand. He told the audience that they have sold their heroin at a loss to gain market share. And in fact, I've looked at several articles where they are actually distributing heroin for free. They're using their kids, uh, both our, our kids here in the U.S. and in Mexico, to give out free drugs, and especially these synthetic drugs. He said they've cornered the market in the U.S. by selling cheaply, in order to seize the demand, and they sell it at a loss. They cut their overhead and increase their profits by doing that, and they're trafficking the heroin in from South America, and but they're slowing that down a little bit and ramping up production in Mexico. Now, every now and then I watch the specials on TV of, uh, I think it's called Drugs on, uh, which one is it? It's not, I, uh, I think it's... Uh, if I don't know if it's CNN or MSNBC or one of those. But anyway, they start talking about how that they are now setting up large-scale meth labs and synthetic drug labs in Mexico. And they're also doing this within the California. They're saying just between 2013 and 2014, the Mexican opium population cultivation increased by 160%. They're doing this to reduce the cost of transportation because, you know, it isn't just that they're paying some trucking company. If they're doing this in Colombia and they have to get it up through South America and into Mexico and into our border, that's expensive. Now, one of the things they're doing is increasing the production of painkillers like oxycodone. Now, we're seeing this really throughout the United States. So what is happening, and I was really amazed at the articles I read here, is that they're getting our young kids addicted and our young adults addicted to painkillers like oxycodone and uh, Vicodin and like that. And then the next thing you know, that's not enough for them, and they actually are moving into heroin and other synthetic drugs. The big problem with synthetic drugs is they're made with really, really questionable product. I mean, you're, you're literally injecting poison in your system over and over. Comey goes on to say that, uh, you know, we use words like epidemic and unprecedented, but he's saying there aren't words enough to use what is going on here with this increase in opiate addiction. And it starts with prescriptions and goes to illicit opiates. He was saying in 2015 that they recorded over 33,000, nearly oh, nearly 33,100 deaths just from the addiction of that. He's saying that just in Virginia alone, there's a 33% spike in opiate-related overdose deaths. 
He's saying the synthetic opiate is up 100 times more potent now than morphine or other heroines that are out there. So the spike in popularity can be attributed to its high potency combined with its low cost and, you know, the prescription rates that are on there. So, uh, you know, basically what is happening here is they're getting people addicted to prescription drugs and then they move in to things that are more difficult. And so he went on to say that they were going to begin to combat it. Now, I was looking at an article from the UK because we have quite a following in the UK and we really, really appreciate you. I've been to the UK many times, by the way. I used to actually work out of an office in the UK, so I truly appreciate you. But they were talking about a new drug there that was called Drop Dead. And uh, in that new drug, what they're saying is that it is being blamed for many fatalities in Britain. It's a mix of heroin with fentanyl. Now, that's what we're seeing in the synthetic drugs here in the U.S., the same kind of thing, is this fentanyl is being combined with it. Uh, they go on to say that it's 100 times more potent than your normal street heroin. And it's responsible for more than 3,000 deaths in the U.S. and is now operating in the U.K. They're saying fentanyl and it's something called carfentanil are believed to have caused several recent deaths in the U.K. That drug is called uh, drop dead in the U.K., Now, along with it, I wanted to add another article that I came up with. This is from the Monitoring the Future Survey of 2016, Teenagers Using Drugs, Alcohol, and Tobacco. They're saying that the use of Vicodin amongst our high school kids is actually down here in the U.S. Now, that's a a good thing, and we're very grateful to hear that we're making some headway. However, they're also saying that they're very concerned about the illicit use of drugs amongst 12 to 17-year-olds. Now, I think that that's very, very important because especially if you get an at-risk youth, a lot of times they self-medicate. They look for pain and like that. The other thing that we're seeing is there's a connection between uh, those kids that start into pot thinking that pot is okay. It's not powerful. It's, uh, you know, everybody's doing it. They did a survey, this headline is called Places Where Most Young Kids Are Doing Drugs, and this is dated 2017, January of this year, and they're saying the two states that have the highest use happen to be Colorado and Washington, and they're saying that they believe there's a correlation because they are the first two states that have uh, legalized marijuana. Additional states are the northeastern states, including Vermont, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. They're all fairly liberal states. The lowest state users are South Dakota and North Dakota. So it's an interesting thing that is taking place here is that we do know that there is a correlation between sex acts for drugs, money, and other items. And we believe that many people who are being sexually assaulted, raped, and abused are under the influence of drugs. Now, the cause and effect, you know, do they start out using drugs and then they end up selling themselves in order to be able to substantiate that? The fact that they're now vulnerable, does that make them easier prey for a pimp, a predator, 
Absolutely, I'd say we are, quite frankly. Um, however, the other thing that often happens here is a child will get in, they'll fall in love with a boyfriend, they get involved in sex trafficking, trying to please the boyfriend, and then he begins to inject them so he can control them. So I think one of the things that we as non-drug users need to do is back up and watch our judgmental attitude before we start saying they made that decision because they wanted to. It is very possible they never had a choice. Hey, folks, we're up against that break again. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to exploited crimes against humanity if you have a question or comment please send an email to opal at millionkids.org that's o-p-a-l at millionkids.org now back to exploited crimes against humanity here again is opal singleton well, hello and welcome back. This is Opal, and uh, I am the president of Me and Kids, as it turns out. You can always write to us at meandkids.org. Uh, just go on there and uh, give us some information. Send me an email at opal at me and kids from anywhere in the world. We are talking about drug addiction and drug use and the impact that that has 
on uh, sex trafficking. Now, while I was talking, I said Susie wasn't available today, but she turned out to call in. And uh, I had completely forgot, I work with Susie all the time, I completely forgot that Susie uh, is recovering, a recovering person from from drug addiction. And so she come on and she said, let me share with you a little bit about my background. So Susie, go for it. Well, good morning, everyone. Yeah, I uh, Saturday, in fact, I celebrated 27 years clean and sober. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great milestone. It feels great. And, and, and to be sober is, what is, is the best decision I've made in my life. Um, I started, actually, I started drinking probably at 12, but I was uh-huh. smoking pot by, by the time I was 13. So as you said... Marijuana is a gateway drug. I don't care what anyone else says. Uh, it's it's the one that you kind of ease into and feel like, well, this one's kind of safe, so I can try this. And then you get bolder and you try another thing and another thing and another thing. So, of course, my addiction uh, quickly progressed from smoking marijuana to, and keeping in mind this is in the 80s, so this is the era of cocaine, uh, to snorting cocaine, uh, I smoked marijuana laced with opium. I was taking uh, uh, amphetamines. I was, there was a whole bunch of different kinds of things I was doing, but basically I was an addict. And sobering up was very hard. So when you see these girls get drug addicted, whether by choice or by force, I will tell you that the impact on your body is is very intense. Now, as a teenager, I started using drugs as my body was developing, I was 13. So when I was detoxing at 18 um, from the drugs, uh, it was was a very intense few months of of emotional turmoil, uh, physical turmoil. You know, you, you, you ranged all up and down all day long with your emotions. You're, you feel good, you feel terrible, you're crying, you're mad, you're this, you're that. Um, it, it, it's very intense. But I got through it. Now, the only reason, the only reason I didn't do heroin was I had a, a fear of needles. But I can guarantee you, if God had not intervened in my life, I would have overcome that barrier too. And mm-hmm. I can see how very easily I could have been one of those vulnerable girls who would have been turned out. It didn't so, happen to me, but it could have. So part of your recovery, it sounds like, was a spiritual element. Oh, yeah. It, without a doubt, without the power of God in my life, I would not have recovered. I tried on my own three times. I failed. And then mm-hmm. once I was introduced to... Jesus into my life, um, and yes, that's the path I chose, um, but, but accepting Jesus into my life released a power in, in, in me that gave me the strength I needed and the, the uh, direction, the spiritual direction I needed to overcome, and not just overcome the addiction, but then to begin to walk through the process of what led me to my addiction. And, and so once you get to the root of the problem, which is the hardest part for these girls, they have to face the root of the problem, which is very painful. Um, 
but you, you know, if you can sum up the courage to face it and get through that painful period, which is temporary, <laughs> then you can overcome and stay sober like I have. And yeah, I think I think when time. you start in, I, I don't think that was true in your case, but uh, looking at it from a sex trafficking point of view, one of the things that I've tried to understand in doing the research for the show is, you know, you, you really have two scenarios here. You have uh, you have people who were already using, and then what happens there is they're they're forced into uh, sex acts for for the money to keep going, and they're so they're already very very vulnerable. And uh, you know, there it, it's also one of the things that I I realize that's a little bit different than your situation, but. Uh, one of the things that we get out here a lot is family trafficking because what will happen is the parent is addicted to drugs and then they will, there's nothing they won't do to get more drugs. So they end up involving their children. So the children grow up uh, already addicted to it. Now, I also think that, that, that what happens here is that you have kids who are not into drugs that fall in love with a boyfriend and then they're put into sex trafficking and then, um, you know, he begins to provide them with drugs to kind of do the pain. Now, when you get to the recovery process in this, and, and this was one of the things I really wanted to cover in this show, is how do we as non-drug users who care deeply about solving sex trafficking cases, how do we help a sex trafficking victim that's drug addicted? And I I have ran into this. I get parents who call me and go, you know, I can't get her into a home anywhere because she's, she's addicted to drugs and they can't mix just a sex trafficking victim with someone who's currently uh, recently involved in drug abuse because there there will be an over overlap there in the treatment. I, I'm thinking that what we really need is uh, a treatment program for drug addiction for dual diagnosis people to help them because you know I have to believe that once you become sober, especially if you uh, start to overcome the addiction process, then all the shame, all the background, all the all the guilt, all the frustration, all the clarity of all you've been through, then floods back in. The two mm-hmm. kind of come running in and accelerate the trauma and probably accelerate the uh, desire to get back in uh, to where they were so that they don't have yes. to work through the pain of that life. And that's exactly right. Um, and, and I completely agree with you on that, Opal. I think that the best way, at least under what we are able to do right now, because I, I, I know the law prevents us from arresting underage sex trafficking victims, um, but if we can arrest them under a drug offense, and, and, and then this is to save their lives, you know, and get them into drug uh-huh. treatment for now, um, and then maybe have the courts figure out how to move them into a sex trafficking facility until there is a place that can handle dual diagnosis. Well, let's get the kids sober uh, and then get them in a facility where they can start to deal with the trauma because if mm-hmm. the trauma is left undealt with, undoubtedly they will return right back to their addiction. 
Yeah, I was uh, very impressed at our uh, recent Protect and Prevent. Uh, Susie and I are part of the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force, and I am the coordinator of that, and I'm responsible for putting on programs for the task force. And we had a speaker there from uh, probation recently, and she was going on about uh, how they now have programs within juvenile hall to kind of separate out a a uh, a person that has been sexually violated and recognize that they are acting out as a victim and realizing that they may have multiple diagnoses one of one of the challenges as i was looking at this issue of uh, sex trafficking and uh, addiction is that it's not a clear-cut thing. It, it's, it's kind of like uh, merging four colors of jello. That's the only thing I can think of right now to give you a, a uh, an analysis or an uh, you know analogy of it. Excuse me, is that once you get into drugs, then oftentimes you get into sex. Once you get into drugs and sex, usually there is someone who's controlling you. And so then the violence ensues. And uh, they began in their control to beat you, to cause you to do things you never would. Oftentimes, burglary is involved in this. Um, This is especially true if you become a victim of gang trafficking, as I was talking about here. You start having kind of a melding together of a variety of kinds of crime and trauma that is hard to separate out. I mean, uh, you know, what happens here is you become drug addicted. The next thing you know, they have you out shoplifting. Uh, They have you out stealing credit cards. They will have you you out uh, doing... Uh, things like money laundering uh, or, uh, you know, not just sex in those kinds of things. And so pretty soon they have control of you and they they have you doing a wide variety of crimes. On top of it, if you don't do that, what will happen is that they begin to beat you. Uh, They begin to exploit you. Mm -hmm. They gang rape you. They gang sodomize you. And so... It isn't a clear recovery program once you become addicted and are a victim of sex trafficking. And so I do believe that this is probably one of the most uh, complex kinds of of um, issues to try to help a person recover because they're they're highly traumatized and yet they're in a legal situation and they're experiencing their own guilt. Yep. You know. Yes. It's very complicated. Yes. And uh, as as you began to work through this, uh, you know, how do you help it? And and most of our recovery programs that they have in sex trafficking are initially 21-day programs. Well, 21 days is barely enough to detox. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, you're just scratching the surface at that point. You've not gotten to the root of it at all. Uh Yeah. Mm -mm. So so Mm -mm. it's a... It's a very complex problem, and and if you have children involved, if you're pregnant, then you have children who are being born into it, or one of the scenarios we often see is what happens when your pimp is your baby's daddy, uh, and your Mm -hmm. pimp takes the child. 
you know, we will see cases where the children are waiting in the car while the mother's upstairs in the hotel, motel. And, you know, those children are many of them were born drug addicted. So it all becomes quite complex as we began to look at the cycle of addiction and the cycle of PTSD and trauma and depression. And how do you help a person uh, sort that out? Well, folks, we are already up against another break. We're almost out of time. And I thought, I didn't have enough material. Stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This is Opal Singleton. We have on the line with us Susie Carpenter, uh, who just shared some of her personal story. You can always write to me at Opal at Me and Kids. I hope you will follow us on Facebook. Susie manages our Facebook page. That is Me and Kids on Facebook. I, in the research that I did on this, because truthfully I don't have any personal background with drugs, Um, as opposed to Susie, who does. But one of the things that I wanted to uh, be able to help paint a picture for you, whether it's here in the U.S. or overseas, these are big, big problems around the world. Drugs aren't just a problem in the U.S. Many, many places around the world, young people are now being subjected to this. And a lot of it here in the U.S. is controlled by the Mexican drug cartels. But I was reading, and to my surprise, I saw two articles about Native American Indian reservations and how prolific meth is there and drugs and sex trafficking. And I wanted to share that with you. Now, I have good friends that are Native Americans, and they are doing some mighty fine work on the reservations there. But I thought these were good cases 
these studies because the articles shared with us what is happening. And I thought maybe if you could see it in a confined uh, case study, it might help you. This article is Gang, Sex, Trafficking, and Meth Interconnected in Indian Country. And it is dated uh, last year, August 16th, August 1st. Uh, Organized criminal gangs are targeting casinos in tribal jurisdictions to facilitate drug sales and sex trafficking and drugs. Meth continues to be a substantial problem for tribal communities, though abuse of prescription pills could soon surpass meth. As I was saying in the first hour or half hour of the show, a lot of times this starts with literally prescription pills. The study, and this is a study we're quoting here, looks at sex trafficking, distribution of methamphetamine, and other dangerous drugs from 10 different Native American tribes. 70% of the respondents said casinos in tribal jurisdictions are targeting for drug deals and sex trafficking. They have high rates of larceny, burglary, sexual assault, both child and elder abuse, and sex trafficking are directly associated. So that's what Susie and I were talking about in the last segment is that these are not isolated kinds of crimes, that sex trafficking gets caught up. So how child and and, and uh, elder abuse? Well, once you're high on drugs, you will do about anything to get the next drug. And if you have a child, you will often end up selling out that child or abusing a parent who won't give you the money that you need. They say meth is unlike any other drug because of the harm it inflicts, inflicts on people other than the user. And that's what we were talking about is the complexity of this. The level of abuse and neglect associated with meth are staggering and heart-wrenching Meth use is destroying entire generations of Native Americans. uh, They're going down to say that what will happen is that they will develop, uh, they were saying uh, that gangs are specifically, and cartels are specifically targeting Native American women. They'll develop a romantic relationship with a Native American woman, often move into their home located on a reservation and begin to deal drugs out to other tribal members. Geographic location and sometimes isolation and poverty will lack police resources and make them more vulnerable to exploitation outside of their forces and outside forces. So what they're really saying is that they will you know, the gangs, the cartels marry into this community. Now, I'm just reading this one particular article, but that is not unlike many, many communities outside of Native Americans. This one happened to be an isolated study, so I thought it told a good story for us to begin to understand how this works throughout all communities, whether you're in the UK or other areas. They're saying this study... uh, of a large-scale impact of meth had on communities. It tested its housing, this is interesting, for meth contamination and found out that 30% of the units were contaminated and uninhabitable because of the smoke that seeped into the walls, ceilings, and carpets of of those homes. Drug users had pillaged the units for metal and copper so they could sell pieces to buy drugs. 
It turns out this tribe was losing thousands and thousands of dollars in rent and having to spend thousands more to repair the damaged structure. So they're also looking at how meth affects violence in this. They're saying violent crime in Indian country due to meth is not the norm. It was severe when it did occur. And then it gave an an example of a 13-year-old child here that was being violated. I want to look at another article because this is similar but in a different uh, particular uh, native uh, native group. This one's out of Montana. This is a study by Reuters. Uh, Reuters, let's say that right, fueled by drugs, sex trafficking reaches crisis on Native American reservation. This is May 17, 2016. And it goes on to say drug users are selling their babies, daughters, and sisters for a potent stimulant that is ravaging Native American communities. Uh, says no specific record, uh, specific rates of local sex trafficking, but it is buried in sexual assault crimes, abuse, prostitution, abandonment, or kidnapping. So they're saying, and I often get that. I will share that with you. Oftentimes people go, well, give me the specific numbers. How many girls right here in Riverside County were sex trafficked? Well, one of the problems is sex trafficking is not a standalone kind of crime. And it will be oftentimes categorized under sexual assault, under sexual abuse, abandonment kidnapping or prostitution so it's not just a standalone crime they're saying that uh, they on this this particular reservation they tested 10,000 people and literally two weeks six newborn babies tested positive for meth these are you know babies who are born with a meth addiction they're saying that the drug trade incites sex trafficking encourages people to sell themselves or family members to get the money. So it's an interesting article that is going on here. They're going on about how a parent or a guardian will often do this and will often abuse uh, people in close relationships to them. And that is regarding to family members. And nobody really wants to report a family member. So we know that this goes on. We also know that what happens is there's a demand for foster care that that accelerates because you get a meth-addicted mother and then what happens is the child ends up in foster care as she's unable to care for them or the pimp dumps the child. Well, this has been a hardcore conversation, folks. I get it. Um, I, I hope that it will give you something to think about. What my goal was today is not just to make your life miserable, uh, but how do we attack, attack this as a society? How can we work as faith-based people, as church people, as synagogue people to begin to provide solutions on this? This is affecting cultures all over the world, not just Native Americans. Trust me, you know, people all across the United States, UK, Paris, France, this is happening all over the world. It's a cause and effect discussion. In some cases, what happens is a person becomes a victim of sex trafficking and they're drugged. And then sometimes they're drugged and become a victim of sex trafficking because they need the money or they're vulnerable or they make poor decisions. The bottom line is we need resources. We need to be able to set that out and provide resources separate from normal recovery programs. The recovery, as Susie said, the recovery for addiction is tough enough. 
the recovery for addiction and trauma-based uh, behavior experiences that you have encountered because you have been controlled and you have been exploited is very, very great. And this is a very complex issue. We need people to come forward. We thank you for following me and kids. We thank you for following us on Facebook. Please write to us at Opal at Me and Kids. Let us know who you are. Thank you for donating to us. And we hope that you will get involved. Share this show with everyone you know. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.